Good morning, church family. We're going to be reading out of the book of John, chapter 7. We're going to start at verse 14. About the middle of the feast, Jesus went into the temple and began teaching. The Jews, therefore, marveled, saying, How is it that this man has learning when he has never studied? So Jesus answered them, My teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own authority. The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory, but the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true, and in him there is no falsehood. Has not Moses given you the law, yet none of you, keep, none of you keeps the law? Why do you seek to kill me? The crowd answered, You have a demon. Who is seeking to kill you? Jesus answered them, I did one work, and you all mar marvel at it. Moses gave you circumcision, not that is from Moses, but from the fathers. <clears throat> and you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. And if one, and if on the Sabbath a man receives circumcision, so that the law of Moses may not be broken, you are angry with me, because on the Sabbath I made a man's whole body well. Do not judge by appearance, but judge with right judgment. Some of the people of Israel therefore said, it is, is not this the man whom they seek to kill? And here he is speaking openly, and they say nothing to him. Can it be that the authorities really know that this is the Christ? But we know where this man comes from, and when Christ appears, no one will know where he comes from. So Jesus proclaimed as he taught in the temple, you know me, and you know where I come from, but I have not come of my own accord. He who sent me is true, and him you do not know. I know him, for I come from him, and he sent me. So they were seeking to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him, because his hour had not yet come. Yet many of the people believed in him, and they said, When the Christ appears, he will do more signs than this man has done. The Pharisees heard the crowd muttering these things about him, and the chief priest and Pharisees sent officers to arrest him. Jesus then said, I will be with you a little longer, and then I am going to him who sent me. You will seek me, and you will not find me. Where I am, you cannot come. The Jews said to one another, Where does this man intend to go that we will not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach in the teach the Greeks? What does he mean by saying, you will seek me and you will not find me, and where I am, you cannot come? On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the spirit whom those who believe in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit has not been given, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. When they heard these words, some of the people said, This really is the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Is this the Christ, is the Christ to come from Galilee? Has not the scriptures said that the Christ would come from the offspring of David, and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David was? So there was a division among the people over him. Some of them wanted to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him. 
The officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, Why do you not bring him? The officers answered, No one ever spoke like this man. The Pharisees answered them, Have you also been deceived? Have any of the authorities or the Pharisees believed him? But this crowd that does not know the law is cursed. Nicodemus, who had gone to him before and who was one of them, said to them, Does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? They replied, Are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. The earliest manuscripts does not include 753 through 811. Will you pray with me? Father God, we come to you and we give you thanks, Lord, for your word. Lord, we thank you for your sacrifice for us, that we as sinners need a Savior. And Lord, you provided the way for us. Lord, as we read your word, we're so thankful for it. And Lord, now we lift it back up to you and we ask that you open our eyes to see. You open our ears to hear. And Lord, I just pray that if anybody here is without you, Lord, that today is the day of salvation. Now is the time. And Lord, we give this time to you and we praise your holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning. How's everybody today? Hey, a couple uh, quick updates. Um, one, uh, we have some uh, family camp t-shirts out there. If you're interested, stop by the table and uh, let Ron know, and he'll get them ordered for you if you want one. Um, and I had something else I was going to say. Yeah, God's good all the time. Praise the Lord. Amen. <clears throat> apparently the Lord didn't want me to say that one, whatever it was. It'll come to me halfway through the, the sermon. So if you have your Bibles, open them up. We're looking at John chapter 7. Uh, I had um, Ron read for you the whole, what is called the fifth discourse, which is, remember, the gospel of John. Hey, I told you I was going to remember halfway through. The Gospel of John is uh, God's declaration or, or John's declaration to us built around seven discourses, seven miracles, seven I am statements. All of them to tell us or show to us that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that we, by believing on him, I love what Rich had to say because, yes, the Lord is relentlessly pursuing us, but we must stop and turn around, right? Right? Otherwise, the pursuit goes straight to hell. So there's the that's what the ball that's what the Bible means when it says what R repent, right? Jesus commanded all men everywhere that they repent and believe. What does repent mean? I stop, turn around, and now my life becomes a pursuit of Christ. Amen. So here, that's what John's point is. So this is one of the discourses that Jesus gave. It's part of what's called the festival cycle. The festival cycle is a series of discourses that, that John's going to focus on that are built around the feasts. This feast is around the Feast of Tabernacles. Just so happens that we just had the Feast of Tabernacles, right? We, it, we just, the dates of the Feast of Tabernacles we just went through. So you, if you didn't know it, you should have been living in tents, sorry. 
Uh, right after the Day of Atonement, we enter into the Feast of Tabernacles, seven days of the Feast of Tabernacles. The eighth day, some disagreement about this, the eighth day, whether the eighth day or the seventh day is the great day of the, of the feast, which we'll talk about in a moment where Jesus stood up and makes this declaration, right? If anyone's thirsty, do what? Stop running, turn around. The water's right here. So it's just a fascinating opportunity for us to focus. Now, we're going to focus on the festival discourses. So next week, we're not going to talk about the woman caught in the act of adultery. I'll discuss a little bit about it. After chapter 11, we'll take a look at it. But the festival discourses, the, the woman caught in the act of adultery is like an interruption in the middle. So we're going to put that at the end of all the discourses. You, you, you'll catch it with me as we go. So... Don't be afraid. We'll get through it all. And probably only take me a couple years to do John. So we're well on our way. Um, the other thing that I failed to mention that I couldn't remember that I mentioned, now I remembered. Um, as we look at the word and as we continue to gather in the upcoming days, um, we're going to continue going on as business uh, is normal. So, but we are asking people to recognize if you get sick, stay home. Because <laughs> here's the reality. We're going to get COVID. I'm sorry. We're going to get it. In the schools, lots of kids are coming down with COVID right now. There were six in one classroom in Twin Falls. So because we're gathering, because we're coming together, that's going to happen. Please take the precautions you need to. So if you want to stay distant, the good news is we're not packed, so you should be able to do that. Uh, if you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. You don't want to wear a mask, don't wear a mask. I don't care, but if you're sick, stay home. That way we're, not, we're doing what we can not to spread it, right? So um, there have been a number of people in our fellowship who have come down with covid and uh, they've all recovered. Uh, many of them are back with us now. Uh, Levi's cleared to come back now, so he'll be back next week. So, um, um, you know, we'll, do, we'll just go on with life. This is the new life, guys. I'm, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, unless the Lord speaks from heaven tomorrow and says there shall not be any more COVID, it's here to stay. And we're going to have to take care of ourselves while we go through it. So if there's things we can do for you, please let us know. We want to do that. But um, if you, this is, these are some of the mistakes we make. In the old days, you start to get a cold and you go, ah, it's a cold. Well, the problem is now it's COVID. So if you get that way, we are live online so you can plug in if you're not feeling well. And, uh, but I want you to feel welcome to come and be a part of things. Um, we're... We're not going to live in fear, but we're not going to be reckless. How's that sound? So I just wanted to touch on that this morning um, because I get a, I get, I probably, you guys probably don't get all the calls, but I get a call every couple of days from somebody saying, oh, I tested positive. And I say, oh, I'm sorry. I'll be praying for you. And, uh, and then they say, well, how do I tell everybody? There are people that I've been around. I say, well, if you know, and Basically, the CDC says if you've been uh, close contact with someone for 20 minutes, then uh, you may have passed it. So keep that stuff in mind. If you come down with it, give me a call. I'll try to let people know. Hey, we have COVID in the world. 
Yay. Welcome to 2020. Here's the exciting thing. 2021's coming. What, what else could happen? <laughs> Did I just say that out loud? Oh, Lord have mercy. You think COVID's bad? Wait till we hit November. You, you ain't seen nothing yet. So anyways, let's get back to talking about Jesus because COVID's no fun. So as we look at this discourse, right, that the Lord lays out for us, there's a lot of really great nuggets we want to be able to pull out from it. So uh, in, in verse 32, this will be the section. I had him read the whole thing so you get the whole thing in picture. In verse 32, it says, now the Pharisees heard the crowd muttering these things about him. So the crowd is starting to say, hey, nobody's arresting this guy, and uh, maybe he is the Christ. And so they're, they're wrestling. I've, I've shared with you before, the most important question you're going to answer is, who is Jesus? Who is he? <clears throat> and how are you going to respond to who Jesus is? And so the Pharisees hear the people muttering about, well, is this the Christ? And, and they say, okay, now we got to do something. You know, we can't let this go on. So scripture says they heard them muttering, and so they sent officers to arrest him. Now we're going to meet those officers again at the end. They get up from the, from the, they're the temple police. They get up and they head out to where Jesus is preaching. And, and then when they get there, they get caught up in all the things Jesus is saying and they forget the arresting part. And then they come back and the Pharisees are going to say, where's Jesus at? You're supposed to arrest him. And they're like, uh, nobody ever talked like this guy before. They, they are overwhelmed by the things that we're going to look at, right, in this discourse on the life-giving spirit. So Jesus said, as the officers come up, they're thinking they're going to arrest him. I'm sure Jesus knows what's going on, but there's a crowd around him still. He's teaching right there in the temple. So Jesus said, I will be with you a little while longer, and then I am going to him who sent me. You will seek me, and you will not find me. Where I am, you cannot come. Now, immediately when we hear that, you and I, we're thinking, well, Jesus is going to die on the cross. He's going to go to the Father. He's going to be at the right hand of the Father. And the Father's going to stand up and declare, sit here until I make your enemies your footstool. We're, we're talking about the great declaration of the exaltation and glorification of Christ and what he's done. And so they can't come. But... What did they think? When we study the Bible, we don't want to insert what we already know about the story. We want to be in the story when it's happening. None of them know Jesus is going to die on the cross, do they? None of them know God's plan of redemption and salvation. So when he says these things, the people are like, what in the world is he talking about? And what jumps out at me is the book of Proverbs. Anybody ever read Proverbs? In Proverbs, well, let's look at it. Proverbs chapter one, there's a section that talks about wisdom, standing and teaching the people, calling the people to come follow me. It is a personification of the attribute of wisdom from God. And ultimately, Jesus fulfills that personification of wisdom because he is doing the same thing. He is standing there before the people, calling people to 
follow me. Come unto me. In Proverbs 1.20, it says, Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the market, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in scoffing and fools hating knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Now, I want you to understand what she, what she Lady Wisdom, is saying. Uh, the reason wisdom is a lady, just in case you're thinking this, is because the word wisdom in, uh, in Hebrew is a feminine word. So some words are like that. In English, we don't really have things like that. But if you study other languages, you'll know they do. And so wisdom, as we look at lady wisdom, listen, she says, if you turn at my reproof. Now think about the song we just sang about God's relentless love pursuing us. What is it that God is calling for the unbeliever, for, for the lost? What is he calling for them to do? The, the lost sheep, what does he want? For the lost son, what does he want? What do those stories tell us? They stop, turn, and respond. And so you have right here uh, her saying, if you'll turn at my reproof. So she's saying to them, stop, stop, stop. If you'll turn. Turn around, return to me. I will pour out my spirit to you. This is exactly what this discourse we're studying about is all about. I will pour out my spirit to you and I will make my words known to you because I have called and you refuse to listen. I have stretched out my hand, but no one heeds because you have ignored all my counsel and will have none of my reproof. So Lady Wisdom is saying, but the reality is you won't turn. Remember John chapter six, what was it that Jesus said? All that the Father gives me will come to me. Well, how does the Father give? The Father gives by providing uh, um, revelation of himself. He gives light and those who respond to the light that is given, more light is given. Lady Wisdom is saying, if you would turn at my words, if you would turn at my words, then I would save you. I would pour out my spirit on you. John chapter six, Jesus is saying, if you believed the Father, you would believe me. If you believe the word that has already been delivered, the word that has come, as those guys are standing and Jesus is teaching, they don't have a New Testament to look at. When he quotes scripture, what's he quoting? He's quoting from the Old Testament. When, when, when we won't see it because we're not in Luke. But if we were in Luke and we were uh, seeing the resurrection, we would also see the road to Emmaus. You remember? Two of the disciples walking with Jesus on the way. They are downcast. Jesus says to them, why are you so upset? Well, you don't know what's going on. They crucified Jesus and we had thought. He was the one, right? And then Jesus says, oh, foolish men and slow to understand. Don't you understand what the scriptures say? And from Moses, through the Old Testament, he began to teach them that this is exactly what the Messiah was supposed to do. Because those who will come to the light and respond to the light, God gives what? More light. More light. And so here, Lady Wisdom calling, but the people won't turn. So, verse 26, I also will laugh at your calamity. 
I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, and they will call on me, but I will not answer. Listen, they will seek me, but they will not find me. So the Lord, when, when Jesus is saying, They're gonna look, you're going to look for me and not find me, it's because you're not responding. There hasn't been a response to the truth that is given. Now, this is part of God's plan, right? Because Jesus was going to die. He was going to be rejected, right? Once God declared that, that's going to happen. But Jesus is not leaving the people without instruction. We respond to the word of God. If you don't respond to the word of God, your heart will grow harder. You can shake your fist at God, but you ought to shake your fist at yourself. And the more you... The more you uh, uh, rebel against the word, the harder your heart will grow, and the less it's going to matter. But if you will respond to God's revealed word, if you will open your heart to the things that God's word is laying out, then the Lord will lay your heart open. He will give you a heart of flesh, right? He will soften our hearts they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me, but they will not find me because they hated knowledge. Because they're rejecting the word. They did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would have none of my counsel. They despised my reproof, my call to repentance. Therefore, they will eat their own fruit. You made your bed. The complacency of fools will destroy them. But listen, whoever listens to me will dwell secure and be at ease without dread of disaster. Listen, I just want you to understand what he's declaring. Whoever will listen will be at ease. A lot of times we talk about this idea of, of, of being at peace with God. Do you know that the Bible declares that if you're a believer, you've been justified by faith, then you have peace with God? Not you will have peace, but you have peace with God. People talk about subjectively sometimes this idea of peace. Let me tell you how peace really works. Peace is not subjective. Peace is objective. You have it. Because you have everything you need in Christ. If you're not experiencing peace because you're thinking about something you don't have, that is not holding on to the things you do. Well, if I get this new job, I'll have peace. Or if everything goes the way I want, I'll have peace. Or if, if everybody answers the way I think they ought to answer, I'll have peace. But here's what the Bible declares. If you have Christ, you have everything you need, and you will dwell in peace. Because he's it. You have what you need. What if I don't get the job? We have Jesus. You have everything you need. What if I don't get the girl? You have Jesus. You have everything you need. What if I don't get the guy? You have Jesus. You have everything you need. You have peace in him because you have him. He is the prince of peace. He has become my peace. And so Lady Wisdom crying out to the people. Now Jesus, when he says to him, the day's coming, you're going to look for me and you're not going to find me. 
In my mind, he's saying, here I am. I'm standing out before the crowds. I'm making the cry, the call of Lady Wisdom, calling you to repent, calling you to turn. The Bible says as soon as Jesus left John the Baptist, he began to preach and to teach the same things John was preaching. What was that? Repent and believe. So here he's calling it out. John 6, 45, Jesus said, why are the people not believing? Why are they not responding? It is written in the prophets and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father does what? Comes to me. If you won't hear, you won't come. So the Lord says, you will seek me and you won't find me. Because your hearts are hardened to what the word of God says. We see this in their description of Jesus. Every time they say, is he the Messiah or not? Well, I don't know. Can the Messiah come from Galilee? What the heck does Galilee got to do with anything? Doesn't have nothing to do with anything. Do you know they call Bethlehem the city of David? Do you know how long David was there? Not very long. Like, in the comparison of his life, David was there for a short period of time. How long was Jesus in Bethlehem? About, not very long, right? Couple years. Couple years. That's it. So he's there in Bethlehem, and, the, and, and, and so what did the scripture say? Where's Messiah come from? When, when Herod looks around and goes, hey, there's a bunch of wise guys looking for a baby. Call me the scribes and the Pharisees and them guys. Get them out here. Hey, where's Messiah supposed to be born? Did they, what did they do? They go, Bethlehem. They know. When Jesus was 12 years old, what did his parents do? They took him to the temple for what? They took him to the temple for his dedication. And when they brought him for his dedication, part of that was paperwork. You know what the paperwork in the temple was for? Your lineage, what line are you born in? Where were you born? Who are your parents? Where do they go back to? All that was kept in the temple. That's why in 70 AD with the destruction of the temple, all the lineages were lost. There's no way for someone to point themselves out as Messiah now. I don't care what they sell you online for a DNA test. You guys done that? Do a DNA test and they'll tell you where you're from. Do you know what it says in that little column where they tell you what you're from? Well, you have an 80% chance of being, what, what does that mean? Let me tell you what an 80% chance means. I don't know what you are. But I think, you know, better than half, I think you're this or you're that or you're, right? If you want to do it, knock yourself out, but. You can't be Messiah with an 80% chance, right? You had to be of a particular line, born in a particular place. Do you know when Jesus was 12 years old, he amazed all those priests, all that paperwork was right there in the temple. You don't think the leaders of the Jews knew that stuff? Why do they always talk about Galilee? Because they sure don't want to talk about Bethlehem, do they? So they're here. Isaiah 55, Isaiah 55 challenges us. Isaiah 55 verse six says, seek the Lord while he may be found. When Jesus is saying, you're gonna seek, the day will come when you're gonna seek me and not find me. Isaiah 55, it said, look, you, you need to seek the Lord while he may be found. Because there's a day that will come when you won't be able to find him. 
Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, the unrighteous man his thoughts. Doesn't that sound like the things Jesus is preaching? Let him return to the Lord that he might have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly forgive. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, says the Lord, nor are my ways your ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts and your thoughts. We don't often think like God does. Have you figured that out yet? If you haven't, you will. But it's okay because you have everything you need if you have him. No matter what happens. No matter what comes. You have peace because you have Christ. And Christ is everything that you need. So, back in John chapter 7, verse 35, it says, The Jews said to one another, what is he talking about? Where is he planning on going that we won't be able to find him? Is he talking about the dispersion? In the, in the Greek, it's the word diaspora. Is he talking about going out to the Gentiles? And, and uh, if he is, maybe we don't need to arrest him. He's leaving. <clears throat> is he intending to disperse among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What does he mean? You will seek me and not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. But listen, this is what that indicates. That indicates that they are not receiving the revelation that God has already given. People ask me all the time, why, why should we study the word? Well, are you kidding me? That's the, that's the way we come to faith. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But everybody nowadays wants some kind of instant fix. Like, here, give me a pill so I lose weight. Give me a pill so I'll be pretty. None of those things have ever worked for me. <laughs> I still look the same. Yeah, the pill don't work. How do, how do we come to faith? We come to faith by pursuing the Lord. We stop, we repent, and then we pursue the Lord. God said in Hosea, what I want my people to do is to know me. How do we know him? We read his word. We go to his word. Lord, show me. Let me see you. But these people are not responding to what Jesus has said because they don't care about the word. Remember what Lady Wisdom said? How long will the simple be simple? Why won't you come? I've, I've provided. You and I have much more provided even than they did. But they have been provided the word, provided an opportunity to pursue, but they weren't doing it. <clears throat> so Jesus' words fall on ears that cannot hear. Because they're still in their rebellion. Man must stop and repent, turn, and say, I want to know you, God. So in verse 37 says on the last day of the feast the great day so there's some discussion for us when we understand the feast of the tabernacles was an it's like um i don't know no i'm not going to use I, I was going to say it's like christmas but you guys will think all the wrong things so forget that it's not like christmas people are super happy on the feast of the, yeah that's jared People are super happy on the Feast of the Tabernacles. They build tents. They camp out outside. They, they, um, every day 
they go to the, to the temple and they follow the priest. And the priest in this great procession takes this golden pitcher and he goes from the golden pitcher from the, from the place of sacrifice and he goes down and winds down to the pool of Siloam. And he fills the golden pitcher at the pool of Siloam and all the while people are singing. They're singing. They're following him and singing. There's just, it's just a, one giant party in the streets singing. And, and what, what are they singing? They're singing Isaiah 12, 3. With joy we will draw water from the wells of salvation. They're singing Psalm 118. Save us, Hosanna. Save us, we pray, O Lord. We pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they're singing and they're following the priest and he'd fill up that pitcher of water and then he'd come back up to the temple walking through the court of, uh, of the women, the court of the Gentiles, this big area outside where Jesus is teaching. And that procession would walk by him and they'd go over to the, to the entrance into uh, the next court and there the, the priest would pour this water into, a, into a, um, a container, right? Pouring this water, ta- illustrating the provision of water from God through the rock in the wilderness. See, the whole uh, feast of the tabernacles was celebrating God watching over and taking care of the people when they lived in the wilderness in tents, right? They did this every day for seven days. On the seventh day, they did it seven times. Now, if that was the great day of the feast, then more water is there present at that time. More water has been poured in when Jesus lifts up his voice above all the others and shouts to the people. But there's also an idea, a concept, that it was the eighth day. The eighth day was the next Sabbath. It started on a Sabbath. So Sabbath was day one. Then day eight, right? You got to count that day. Come brings you back to the Sabbath again. Now on that day, they would take the pitcher down and they would do the motion like they were filling it with water, but they wouldn't fill it with water. And they would bring back an empty pitcher and they would stand in that place and call the people to pray for Messiah. So on either, people are trying to decide, was it the, was the great day eight or was the great day seven? Doesn't matter. The picture's the same either way. The impact might be a little greater if it was the eighth day. The eighth day is kind of how I lean. Uh, it says, Jesus stood up and cried out. That word for cried out means he cried out. There's only one word louder than that. There's only one word that could be used for a louder cry, and that was the word, the, his final phrase he spoke from a cross. You always thought that was quiet, didn't you? It wasn't, Jesus was not quiet at the cross. He cried out. The next word is the word for screaming. That's what he did at the cross when he calls out. But here, this is the next one down. So he's crying. This is a loud voice. He, he is making sure everyone hears him. 
on the great day of the feast. I think it's the day they brought the empty pitcher out and the people are praying for Messiah. And then Jesus stands up and says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. For whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. You don't think that had an impact? On the great day of the feast, all those people gathered. Jesus declaring, listen, this is what he's saying. They're celebrating the fact that God provided water for them from the rock. What is Jesus saying? I'm the rock. Now, when you think about that, then when you look at what Paul had to say in uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it says, Paul wrote this, For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food, all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Paul said the rock that provided water for the children of Israel in the wilderness that was with them as they went along their way, that was the Mashiach Nagid. That was Messiah. Messiah, when he comes, he is going to give you living water to drink. What is, what is it that Jesus declares in John 7 after he makes this? John says, verse 39, now he said this about what? The Spirit. What is, it that, what is the living water that Jesus, the rock, is going to give the people? The Holy Spirit. He said, now the Holy Spirit hadn't come yet. On those who believed in him, on him, those who believed in him would receive the Holy Spirit. But as yet, the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. When he dies, buried, raised again, what's he going to do when he comes to the disciples? He's going to breathe on them and say what? Receive ye the Holy Spirit. Well, What happened? Oh, they received the Holy Spirit. What happened when he said, let there be light? The light just said, wait a minute, I'm busy right now, but soon I will shine? No. Jesus says, let there be light. There's light, right? He says, receive the Spirit. You receive the Spirit. That's how, we'll see that. That's in chapter 20. We're not there yet, but we're close. <clears throat> so Jesus talking about the fact that he is the Christ, the Messiah, He's the rock that provided them the water that they've been pouring out now for seven days, right? And then he's saying, come to me and I'm going to give you the real thing that that water symbolized. That water symbolized everything you needed to live in the wilderness. Everything we need to live in the wilderness is the Holy Spirit. We must walk in the Spirit, yes? We must be empowered by the Spirit of God to do the things that God is calling us to do. So I just want to back up. Think about the things that Jesus is saying. He gives an invitation first, right? If anyone's thirsty. <clears throat> Isn't it amazing he used the word anyone? This is a, it's a Jewish feast, but what you don't know about this Jewish feast, they would allow the God-fearers to participate. So Gentiles would be there too. So Jesus says, anyone who comes to me, anyone, if anyone comes, he throws out the invitation, 
And there's an imperative, a command. What's the command? Believes in me. Believes in me. To put their faith and trust in him. And then he says, like the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So that would indicate to us that this is a revelation that God has provided for the people, right? And if they've heard from God and learned from God, they'll respond to Christ. That's what the Bible taught, right? So in Isaiah 12, 3, the very song they were singing, hey, we're going to the wells of salvation to draw water. We're drawing water from the wells of salvation. In Isaiah 43, Verse 20, it says, the wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert to give drink to who? My chosen people. To give drink to my chosen people. For I, in verse 44, chapter 44, verse 3, I will pour water <clears throat> on a thirsty land. <clears throat> How does God want us to respond? Jesus says, if anyone is thirsty, I know that you guys think you live in a desert. This is not a desert. I don't care what, what you learned in school. You learned it wrong. Desert, close your eyes and think desert. This is not it. There's no canals in the desert. You would really want to know what the desert looks like? Go to Judea. Go out outside of Jericho. Go out into what the Bible calls the wilderness. And all there is is bare hills of dirt. And there is no water anywhere. Now if you were wandering in that wilderness, at some point, you're going to be thirsty. And the Lord is saying, I want you to thirst for me like you would thirst for water in a dry land. And listen, I will give it to you. I will provide that. I will pour out water on a thirsty land, streams on the dry ground. What's he talking about? Isaiah 44, 3. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. <clears throat> You want peace? That peace comes from the Lord. It's all in his presence. What, how does the Lord give us peace? He pours out in our heart the Holy Spirit. Every time we talk about the Holy Spirit, people always want to talk about gifts. Before you ever get to the gifts of the Spirit and all that stuff, you need to know the presence of the Spirit in your life. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the Spirit. The Spirit is with you. The spirit that you need, that water flowing through you. And what happens to that water when they poured out the pitcher? When you pour out water, what happens? It affects the environment around you. It affects the people near you. It affects the people you hang out with because the spirit of God is in you. Water doesn't want to stay contained. Water wants out. Water wants to flow. That's why he says, he doesn't say, I will give you stagnant water in a, in a bucket. No, what's he say? I'll give you living water. Do you know what living water is? Living water is that water that won't stay in the rock. It comes bubbling out of the rock. It comes bursting forth. It wants out. It wants, it wants to show 
itself to everyone around. The Spirit, Jesus is saying, this is what I give. Isaiah 55, 1, come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. You don't need any money for what I got. Come, buy. It's free. Isaiah 58, 11, and the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in the scorched places. Make your bones strong and you shall be like a well-watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. All these are the, Jesus saying, all those promises, I'm going to give them to you. Because the Holy Spirit comes through Christ. We enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ and he is the baptizer of the Holy Spirit. He gives the Holy Spirit. He gives. This is what he's declaring to the people. He said this about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given because he was not yet crucified. Now the people start to argue. Because people always argue about what they think they know. Have you ever noticed that? You ever watched a debate? <laughs> Debates are an opportunity to watch two of the most uninformed, dis, not, there's no touching of reality. It's just a trip. Watch people talk about what they think they know. What they think. When's the last time you were hungry? When's the last time you were hoping, oh, dear God, how am I going to, what am I going to do? I don't have a job. What am I going to do? My business closed. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I gonna... People arguing about what they don't know. Here, these people gather in the same way. When they heard these words, some of the people said, he's the prophet. That, that's a proclamation that he's Messiah. He's the prophet. That's I, uh, Deuteronomy 18, 15. That's Moses' declaration that there's one coming after him. And you better listen to what he says because if you, if you um, reject what he says, there's no other place to go. That's the prophet. Some said he's the prophet. Others said he's the Christ, the Messiah. This is the Messiah. Then others, still others said, but is the Christ going to come from Galilee? Now they're arguing about what they don't know. But he's here in Galilee. Why does he, why, why he come from Galilee? The, the Christ can come from anywhere he wants. The, all the Bible says he'd be born in Bethlehem. Didn't say he'd never leave Bethlehem. Didn't say he could grow up, couldn't grow up anywhere else. Didn't say he couldn't travel anywhere else. That's all it said. But what they're really saying is that he's the wrong kind of people. He's from Nazareth. Nazareth is the other side of the tracks, folks. You go to Israel today and go to Nazareth, and you know what you'll say when you get there? This is the other side of the tracks. Wow, how could Messiah grow up in a place like this? Because those are his people. He was not ever ashamed of them, was he? It takes us being ashamed, but he's not. He don't care where you grew up, what your parents were like, had money, didn't have money, got a good education, didn't get a good education. He don't care. He still calls. He still relentlessly pursues. 
Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So they're saying, can he come from Galilee? Be a fisherman? Like, who wants to be a fisherman? He smells like fish all day. And he, would he hang out with fishermen? No. Wouldn't he hang out with religious people? Certainly he wouldn't hang out with a bunch of fishermen. And those guys, you ever smell them? They don't smell good. And they're, they're kind of rough. The other day I bumped into one of them and he looked at give me a dirty look. So God was all afraid of the fisherman was going to punch me. Don't you hear the people saying that? This is, does not scripture say that, that when Christ comes, he'll be the offspring of David? Yeah, it does. If you cared, you'd look. But you're, right now, you're just looking for a reason not to believe. You realize that on both sides of Jesus' family tree, both through Mary and through Joseph, he was of the lineage of David. Isn't he supposed to be from the offspring of David? But you know why they say that? I don't want you to miss this. You know why they say that? Because the one thing everybody knows about Jesus is that nobody really knows who his father is. I mean, Joseph was good old Joseph. You know, he took that tramp and made an honest woman of her. Don't you think that's how they talked about it? And no matter how many times Mary said, no, listen, I was never with another man. Yeah, because that happens. Right? Do we think, sometimes I think we go to the word of God, we go to the Bible and we, we take it out of reality. So when they're talking about Jesus' lineage, they're saying, well, look, we don't really know who your father is. Later on, they're going to say that very thing. We don't know who your father is because they know the story. Isn't he supposed to be the offspring of David and come from Bethlehem, the village where David was? So there was a division among the people. Jesus said that would happen. Not only are they going to debate about him, they're going to divide over him. Still today, do people divide over Jesus? For sure. For sure. So there's a division. Some of them wanted to arrest him, but nobody gets to touch him. Why? Because hour has not yet come. The most... Um, the person, the most impervious and dangerous to the unbelieving world is a submitted person to the will of God who realizes nobody can touch me unless God says so. There's nothing you're going to do that God don't let happen. And if God lets it happen, then I got what I need. I have what I need to endure. Those people are fearless. Totally fearless. Because they know, hey, what, the other day I, I saw a guy get arrested, a street preacher get arrested, and, and as they're arresting him, I, I thought it was cool because he said, you know, you, you can only do this because my father in heaven says it's okay. And they're like, oh, whatever, dude. You know, trust me, if Jesus said this wasn't okay, you wouldn't be doing this. You can only do what he allows to be done. So they couldn't arrest him. They couldn't lay hands on him. Now the officers, here come the police, are going back to who the guys who got sent, sent him out. <clears throat> the officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees and said, well, where's, where's Jesus? You're supposed to arrest him. 
Would you forget what you were supposed to do? That ever happened to you? The most frustrating thing in the world that happens to me is when I leave upstairs to walk downstairs for something, and then I stop. And I think, what am I here for? I don't remember. Oh, I got to go back upstairs now. Look, I'm not looking for exercise. I've told you guys before, I'm not looking for exercise at all. Uh, I believe that your heart has so many beats in it. You spend them how you want. I'm going to spend mine doing things I like. You want to go out and run 20 miles a day, knock yourself out. They're your heartbeats. Spend them any way you want. I like the lazy boy. I'm going to string out those heartbeats as long as possible. <laughs> I pay for it sometimes, though. So you get down the bottom of the stairs, turn around, go back up. Then I remember, come back down. Oh, my goodness, you got to be kidding me. Then whatever I think I needed was I needed my glasses for, and I don't have my glasses. Then I got to turn around, go back, get my glasses. I have like 47 pair of glasses around the house just so I can keep them everywhere. Just in case I end up somewhere where I need my glasses. So the guys are looking at these, these fellas and they're like, weren't you supposed to go get somebody? Where's the dude you're supposed to arrest? So they look at him and they say to him, the officer's answer, well, no one has ever spoke like this man. Look, they got there and they got caught up in the things Jesus was saying. They got caught up in hearing him shout to the crowds, if, if anyone's thirsty, come unto me, and I will give you water to drink. And out of your heart will spring living water. He's declaring himself, the very thing they're praying for, he's saying, I'm Messiah, and I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And he's still going to. Even though the people aren't yet at a place where they can respond First, he has to die. There is no crown without the cross. So they, they, they just look at him a little bit down, dumbfounded, you know, and they say, uh, nobody ever talked like he did. So the Pharisees say, are you deceived too? Have any of the, I love how they say this. You can see their chest sticking out. Have any of the really important people believed him? That's what they're saying. You, you silly little policemen, you're more like normal people. But have us exalted people believed? Have any of the authorities or Pharisees believed in him? This crowd does not know the law. What they're saying is the crowd does not perform all the good things we do. They're accursed. They're accursed because they don't know the things we know. That's, that's what the Pharisees are declaring. I love what happens next. Do you see it in verse 50? Nicodemus pipes in. You remember Nick at night, right? Chapter 3, discourse on you must be born again. Nicodemus pipes up and says, "What you say no? none of the authorities have responded to him? I can think of one. He's about to say something right now. You don't think that puts him on the list? You don't think when Nick says this in front of all those guys, all his contemporaries, they're not looking at him like a little sideways. Nicodemus, who had gone to him before, who was one of them, said, does our law 
judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? Now, I know they're mad because they say something stupid next. You ever notice that when you get mad, you say something stupid next? It's probably a good clue for us to learn to say, hey, when you're mad, you should close your mouth. Because the next thing's coming out of your mouth will probably not be good. So Nicodemus, he, he probably upsets him. He confronts him. Hey, <clears throat> should we judge him without hearing him first? All they've done is, what do the people say about him? What do the people say about him? What do the people say about him? They're, they're eventually going to examine him, and they've already found him guilty before they ever go. So listen to what they say. First, they give him a dick. Are you from Galilee too? Right? What could we say here? Are you from Castleford? <laughs> yeah, no, you think you're from a little town, but you don't know little. Right? The, the people, the, what they're saying is Galilee were, were that's the common man. That, that, was, that was the industry of fishing, taking care of fish. It was not today. It's a big, giant tourist thing, right? It was not that then. The people who were elevated and exalted and wealthy, they didn't go to Galilee. If you were there, if you want to smell like fish, we go to fancy baths and fancy pools and we stay here. We're not lowly like that. So when they look at Nicodemus, they're like, what, are you a Galilean now? They're trying to, to give him a dig, right? They're trying to insult him. And then they say, search and see. No prophet comes from the Galilee. Jesus, at one point in John chapter 6, he said, you search the scriptures daily, but you don't know what you're reading. Because this, these scriptures that speak of me. All right, search the scriptures. Are there any prophets that come from the Galilee? Elijah, Elisha, Amos, Jonah, Hosea, Nahum. So I would say, yes. <laughs> there are prophets that come from the Galilee. What is wrong with you people? You're so full of anger and hatred that you won't do, and see, this is exactly what Jesus was talking about in John 6. You're not hearing my father. My father who gave you, if you read the book of Hebrews, is what he talks about. Well, oh shucks, we should just go there. Should Jackie ever jump off script? Oh, we're so close to being done, people are panicking right now. <laughs> <clears throat> Hebrews, Hebrews chapter one, listen to what the Lord says about the supremacy of Christ. This is what the father says about Jesus being the supreme form or message from God. Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. So how is it that God the Father spoke, revealed himself, his purposes, plan to the people? He spoke to them by the prophets. The Old Testament scriptures that were delivered, he spoke to them. But he has in these last days, the last days occurred, uh, uh, the moment that Jesus Christ uh, was taken up into heaven uh, 50 days after the crucifixion. 
uh, Peter standing on the day of Pentecost, the birthday of the church. He says, what has been fulfilled here is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. These are the last days. On the last days, the Lord said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. So here you got this thing. Here's what's going on, all right? This is what's being laid out. God has spoke by the prophets. God has delivered the things that he's delivered. The Pharisees spend all their life studying it, but they don't allow the word of God. They just look at it like a giant textbook. What, that, what, how can I use this book to gain power? That's what they think. Do people still do that in the church today? How do I use this book to gain power? Sure, all the wrong things. You can do all this stuff all the wrong ways. But if you do... What we talked about, if you recognize Jesus Christ, God the Father spoke through the Proverbs that said Lady Wisdom would come and call. There'll be a time. Lady Wisdom's going to come and call, but she's not always going to be there. So seek the Lord now, he says in Isaiah 55. Seek him now while he may be found. Don't wait till you can't find him. It's too late, Judgment Day. It's too late when you're standing before him. I, I, you know, I always think about this. Ever since my mom died, my mom was, uh, was not perfect. Um, I, certainly, I'm not perfect. I'm way more of a screw-up than my mom was. But there was a lot of things. I grew up with a lot of, uh, I don't know, what, what do you call it, um, bitterness toward my mom about stuff, you know, in the past. I'm sure that doesn't happen to any of you guys. But, but um, as, I'm, as my mom dies, and I'm the, the last day of clarity, I, I spent four days with her in Arizona before she died. She had Alzheimer's. She, she, she couldn't speak. She couldn't talk. She couldn't walk. Um, the day I left, I left at like three in the morning to ride a motorcycle from Arizona home. And that was the, the one moment that mom had clarity you know she reached out her hand and she's like don't go and I'm like oh I gotta go mom I'm sorry she said I want to go home and I said you're gonna go home God has a home for you and it's not a home filled with all this stuff a few days later ma never woke up And what happened on that day is what Jude 24 and 25 declare. My mom opened her eyes and saw Jesus. And the first thing Jesus did is grab her, tell her how perfect she is, how amazing she is, and then delivered her before God Almighty the Father. And it was his great joy to present her blameless before him. That's what Jesus does. This is what the word of God is declaring. This is what Jim Elliot experienced. I know there's a lot of questions about what happened and probably we're not ever going to know. Jim went to heaven. And Jesus scooped him up. Did Jim have failures and issues in his life? For sure. But Jesus didn't harp on any of those. He picked him up and he ran him to his dad and he said, Dad, Jim's here. He's perfect. We're perfect because we're covered in his blood, because we hear what the Father has said. 
we look at what the scripture declares. We recognize Jesus as the Christ. We hear the words of Lady Wisdom and we want to respond. When the children of Israel were going into exile, Jeremiah walked up and he said, The word of the Lord has come to me. I know the thoughts that I think toward you, said the Father. While they're all in chains. The thoughts I think are for your good, not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Don't you know that hope? He said, so seek me and you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. This is how we have to respond. Lady Wisdom still calling. Jesus is still crying in the streets. Though now the Spirit is with us. Though now the Spirit can empower us. All the things necessary are there. The call is still going. The cry is still happening. Will you respond or you keep running. You get to choose. But if you respond, just turn. Look full in his wonderful face. And all the cares and concerns that we have now will just fade away. He is my peace. Amen. Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for the opportunity we have to study. Lord, we thank you so much for what your word declares. Lord, I thank you for this discourse as Jesus cries out in the midst of the people, I am the rock. I am the one who gives the Holy Spirit. I am Messiah. I am he. Oh, 2,000 years later, people say, how come Jesus didn't say it plainly? I don't know. It gets any plainer. I am Messiah. Come unto me if you thirst, and I will give you living water. Well, the offer is still there. I pray anyone thirsty today would draw near to him and be satisfied in the water he provides. Lord, we seek your blessing and your anointing on our time as we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.